Hey guys, welcome back to Group Chat. Uh, we are back with Pastor Josh this week talking about habit number four in our series, the six groups of habits that actually learn. And as always, if you'd like to access this podcast, all of our podcasts, and all of the resources that we have available to you, just go to www.rushcreek.org, go to the groups page, go to the bottom and click on the resource button. Okay, guys, welcome back. We are on to habit number four, which is illustrate creatively, and we are back with the doctor. The doctor is in, uh, Josh Rose, and he is here to discuss habit four with us. Uh, So we won't waste any time. We'll just dive right into it. Uh, So when we talk about illustrate creatively, um, there's scientific terms for all of these, but for the purpose of small groups, that's what we call it. Uh, what, What do we mean by that? Well, thanks for having me. Good to be here. I know um, if you're a thinking person, you are someone who likes to study the the world of the mind and small groups, then these podcasts probably have been very helpful. If you're not, then you you may not be enjoying them so much, but I encourage you to to keep hanging on, to to, to not give up. These things can help you. We're trying to provide as much value uh, for you as possible. So I just want to give a little encouragement to the listeners who may be struggling with this season. Next season, we've talked about this before, next season uh, we hope to focus on, on the heart and how we can be authentic in our, in our emotions, authentic in our beliefs, um, and how that affects how we feel. And uh, small groups plays a big role in that. So next, next season we'll have a completely different feel. But uh, anyway, so thanks for having me. But this should be a little bit different. This sounds a little more... Uh interesting or um if you're not uh, interesting i don't want yeah i don't want to be insulting to the other ones but like if you're not like you know the the people who don't think of themselves as like the smart brainy type people illustrating and being creative is something that you know anybody can grasp onto absolutely yeah so illustrate creatively what we're what we mean by that is finding visuals to communicate a concept topic or idea finding visuals to communicate a concept topic or idea that's essentially what we mean okay and so the 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 scientific term we talked about this earlier scientific term is called dual coding so there's this idea that these there's two types of things that are happening that are coming together and can you kind of explain to them what those what those are and how they work together to reinforce this deeper learning yeah let me say right up front in case i forget at the end if you want like in-depth information about these all of these podcasts come from learningscientists.org the, the source material does learningscientists with an s dot org it's a group of educational um uh, well, actually they're cognitive psychologists cognitive psychologists and uh they they just provide a lot of the research and what i've tried to do is go in and put it in layman's terms because you know i'm having to read through it several times because it's very dense and technical material Another, another person on specific on dual coding uh, that you can look up is Oliver Caviglioli. Oliver Caviglioli has a recent book. What a name. Yeah, I think he's an Italian guy, but uh, I think he just put a book out. I've got it on my shelf. I have yet to read it. Um, it's, in, it's, in the, it's in the stack. Uh, but he wrote a book on dual coding. So the K-12 um, system, if you're an educator in the K-12, none of this is going to be new information. Like This is, this is their world. And uh, the church is usually 20 to 30 years behind the school system, unfortunately. 
And so I just decided enough is enough, and I'm just going to go get what they're doing and bring it to the church. And, you know, through the, through the lens of Scripture, everything bows to the text. Um, so anyways, those, are just, those are just a couple of source res, uh, resources you can go to. Um, there's one scenario in which a leader teaches something to the group, or a leader is describing something to the group, a new idea, a new concept. Maybe it's this concept of salvation. They're dealing with a bunch of new believers. And so they're describing something to the group that's new. The second scenario is the group member is reading something. Maybe they're reading uh, a, a book by um, a prominent author, or maybe they're uh, reading a devotional with their spouse. In both of those scenarios, guesswork is having to be done. What do I mean by that? Well, when a leader is describing a new idea, concept, something like salvation to the group members, then the, the group member is having to guess at the understanding of that material or that concept of the leader. They're having to make a get they're having to make guesswork. And they're having to use just those words in order to figure out what they mean. The group member who's reading a devotional or a, a topical book that's helping them in their Christian walk, they're having to play guesswork on what the author actually means. So why is this important? I think this is important because why would we not want to help them if we found some things about how our brains work and how our, our just everyday experience informs that process of how our brains work, and it could speed that whole process of learning up. We want deep, rich, meaningful learning. And the way that happens is you get new information, in this case, the words from the leader or the words from those devotional books, and we, our brains have to make meaning of those words in order for them to get put into long-term memory. And the only way we can act upon them Unless it's instantaneous, such as you give me your phone number and then I can make a phone call. If I don't put it in my contact list, it's very rare I'm going to remember your, your phone number. Or it has to be put in the long-term memory. And so there are ways that science has figured out how to put information into long-term memory for us to do something with. So if we figured that out, why would we not want to use that in small groups? So to, to kind of land the plane on this, two big things to keep in mind when we're dealing with Illustrate Creatively. The first is seeing things. The second is hearing things. And there's a big, big difference in the way our brains do those two operations. There are other things our brains will do, right? There's feeling things and experiencing things. But the two most prominent things that you're going to see in small groups is seeing things. So what happens in the brain, according to neuroscientists, is when they, when they, when they see things, uh, the things that they see go into our working memory. So instead of that, just think of like a... a, a a scratch pad, a mental scratch pad. Everything that we see goes onto a sketch pad, a scratch pad. And that has only so much space. You know, they've done tests and they figured out a person can only hold so much information that they see for a certain period of time and then your brain has to do something with it, make meaning of it or toss it. Uh, the second thing is hearing things. And hearing things is a different part of the brain and it goes on kind of a loop. So you think about how they you go to a movie theater when you were younger. I don't know if you're even old enough to remember this, Clayton, but... <laughs> we'll see. I was born in the 90s. <laughs> no, my good gracious. Okay, so uh, in the old days, they had film, right? The film would go on a big roller, and then mm -hmm. they would press play, and then it would show the image, and you'd be able to watch the movie. I don't know how they do it now. I don't know if it's all digital, if they still do that, but that's the way they used to do it. So you're, when, you, when you hear things, that's what happens. You hear them, and it goes kind of in a loop right? And you have to make meaning of that, but it's in a different part of the brain. Now, 
anatomically speaking, neuroscientists will tell us that those two areas don't speak to each other, right? There's an area of the brain called Broca's area, and that stops. It has to do um, with with uh, with with um, with seeing things. Sorry, lost my word there. It has to do with seeing things, and it kind of creates a barrier to where what you see, what you hear, don't necessarily um, talk to each other. And so the practical application immediately is that's not really <laughs> that's not normally good for you know classroom students who have per, you know professors or teachers telling them things while they're trying to uh, take down notes from PowerPoint. So for example, I teach at various institutions, and when I do PowerPoint, I try not to put any words on my PowerPoint slides. I try to do images. And it's because they're either going to focus on what they need to write, or they're going to focus on what they need to see, but they can't pay attention to both, because anatomically, it's not possible. Now. Neuroscience will tell us that there are moments, and we won't get into when those moments are, you can do more research on that at those sources I, I cited, there are moments when those two areas connect, and that's usually in those neural pathways. But when those moments connect, not only are you making meaning of what you're seeing, you're making meaning of now what you're hearing, and they call that double-barrel learning. So the technical term is not important. What's important is we call it illustrate creatively. So. Practically speaking, um, if you want to make uh, salvation as a concept, if you want to provide deep, rich learning experiences for them, then uh, there are some things that you can do, and we think we have found some good suggestions, hence the reason for this podcast. And uh, I know that was a little bit longer explanation, but I wanted to be as in-depth as possible. Um, so if you're taking notes, you know, or the listeners are taking notes, they can, they can, they can jot down what it was. Um, and refer back to it, or they can just listen to the podcast again. But it really makes sense if you think about it sequentially, as there's two areas of the brain that don't talk to each other. However, there are some scenarios where those moments, they do touch. And when that happens, because your eyes can take in many elements at the same time by looking at a visual, you're able to get the benefit of hearing the auditory, but you're also getting the benefit of seeing the visual. Yeah, well, that would, that's interesting because, you know, you, you hear people say all the time, I'm a visual learner, or I'm an audio learner, uh, or, you know, they normally go between the two, and you're trying to say that there is a way for your brain to reinforce one with the other. I am, but we can't, we can't keep talking until I point this out. Uh, what they're finding in the research now is that learning styles, which is so popular, definitely in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, uh, study after study after study and cognitive uh, psychology is showing learning styles to be a myth. They call it actually a neuromyth. Just like left brain, right brain is a neuromyth, uh, having learning styles or learning preferences is, um, well, not necessarily learning preferences, but learning styles, meaning your brain doesn't learn better visually than it does listening to words. We may think it does, but typically when we, when we say that, the research would say is you just prefer watching things than you do reading things. You just prefer that. That doesn't mean you biologically, anatomically, cognitively can't do those things. Mm -hmm. So this idea of I need to make sure I read it in order for me to really understand it is hokum. It's not true. The research is showing it to be false. Hence the dual coding. Hence the <laughs> yeah. illustrate creatively. But interestingly, I, I want to put this in there. Interestingly, what is showing promise, we need to see more research, and I am into the journals and trying to make sure Rush Creek is... In, in step with the times, uh, one of the things that they are seeing early success in is attention types. 
a lot of things fight for our attention. But what are we going to learn? We're going to learn the things we're focused on. So is there a way for us to learn how we give our attention best? What keeps our attention best? So, Which might have just been a blur for a future podcast. We have no idea. Um, but we'll keep moving on. So th- this idea of of illustrate creatively, even the even maybe even the terminology illustrate creatively, um, for certain group leaders who are listening, that might sound really fun and really interesting and really helpful. And for others, it might seem scary because maybe they don't describe themselves as like a creative person, or maybe they don't see the the value in it. They're more worried about you know the actual discussion of the text and and and, and whatnot. So. We'll start with the people who are interested. We want to address both of those. Um, we'll start with the people who are interested. In how would you um, encourage them and um, help them um, use this habit in their group? This habit, really quickly, is a great way to check for comprehension, especially in, in established groups. If their group leader is you know, confident, hey, we're working through this um, you know, study that we're working through, whatever book of the Bible or, you know, right now media thing they're doing. If the leader wants to know, hey, are they, are they tracking with me? Is everyone in step with what we've been learning? Then a great way to do that is through uh, Illustrate Creatively. And uh, there's value there because Illustrate Creatively leads to deeper learning, right? It, it leads to deeper learning. Oliver Caviglioli, that's a, that's a mouthful, uh, I pulled this quote from him. And uh, it really speaks to the benefit. I think it's very encouraging, so I'm glad you asked that question. So if, if a group leader, if you're a group leader listening, and you're just kind of intimidated by this because I used a lot of technical words and these concepts are kind of technical, um, you know, yes, it does take a little bit of you know massaging them. I didn't just read it and understand it. I had to really work with this because I wanted to you know bring value to groups at Rush Creek. Uh, you can get there too. But listen to what Oliver Caviglioli says. So instead of wrestling with the fleeting nature of the spoken word and the complex grammar of text, visuals offer students a far more effective way of accessing knowledge. By helping students get a rapid gist of meaning through through visuals, they are left with more cognitive resources, meaning more thinking capacity, to engage higher order thinking which is a fancy way of saying we want them to really grasp this into the core of their being. We want them to be able to take this piece of text from the scriptures and go out and do something with it. That's what that's saying. So a direct result, he continues, of such deeper thinking is the development of a student's own understanding. So they're able to have an understanding that belongs to themselves whenever they're engaging the visual and the, and the, the words. So the visual and what they call explicit links found in diagrams or other visuals, they stimulate connections between concepts that lead to more meaningful learning. So the the fireworks should be going off of, yes, this is exciting news. It brings tremendous value in a very technical way. He's saying, listen, if you illustrate creatively in your small group by some of the strategies and suggestions we're about to give you, then you're going to relieve your group member of a lot of uh, clutter in their minds because the visuals are going to connect with them anatomically, um, biologically, psychologically, emotionally, um, all all of those different ways in a way that just listening to the words can't do that because of Broca's area. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. So that's exciting. I mean, you're freeing them up so that they can make deeper connections when you pair those two things together. The, uh, for the other group, the group that might be a little more hesitant because of, um, I just don't think I'm a very creative person or I just don't see the value in it, how would you encourage that group leader? I would encourage them to ask questions, talk with their coach, um, talk to their group's pastor. Um, they can email me, joshr at rushcreek.org, and I'm happy to have coffee with them and, and maybe give them some specific suggestions. Typically, if someone has their heels dug in that deeply, there's usually an underlying reason. Um, apathy could be one of them. Um, just bad experience from previous groups could be an experience. Some of those are theological reasons that a group pastor could help them. If it's apathy, then that's theology, right? If you're apathetic and just don't care, then obviously you need to work on your theology of community. Do you understand what you're doing, right, to bring the scriptures in? Some of it could be burnout. If you're, There's nothing inside that's motivating you to help your group members think deeply and become as best they can, this upward spiral of growth in Christ we've talked about in previous podcasts then there's, there's something off kilter there, and a group's pastor can help pray with you through that, can help di- di- diagnose and prescribe um, maybe a treatment plan for you, so to speak. Um, but again, if it's just, I just don't have any ideas, I don't think like that, hey, that's fair, and we want to help you with that. We're not going to leave you alone just to figure this out yourself. And uh, as a reminder, too, uh, we'll let you know that um, this habit and all six habits are also in video form on our resource page at rushcreek.org. Just go to, uh, go to the homepage, go to Ministries, click on Groups. At the bottom of the Groups page, you can click on the uh, Resource button. And at the bottom of that, there's this tab that says the six habits of groups that learn. And those are uh, videos of Pastor Dr. Josh. Um, fleshing these out. They're only a few minutes long, kind of the main point to kind of help you remember. Um, so if you always want to refer back to those, those would be helpful too. Then we'll wrap up here with uh, one last question and a little more practical and just say, uh, how can a group leader use things like visuals or illustrations uh, to reinforce um, things that they've discussed? Yeah, a very practical uh, application. I use this in the video that you just referenced. And that is salvation. Let's use that. We've been using it through the entire recording today. If you wanted to communicate salvation, it's an it's a, it's a abstract concept, really, uh, when you think about it. It's not tangible uh, in a sense that, hey, I can pull it off the shelf or pull it on my wallet. I can't really show someone salvation. Um, so that would be a great example. So you could have everyone on a scratch sheet of paper draw what comes to mind when they hear the word salvation. Now, it could be a grandmother's hand. It could be the cross. It could be a face of Jesus. It could be a glass of water. It could be, I mean, it could be a lot of different things to different people because they're coming from their own understanding, right? So when you have described the concept of salvation and then they have added a visual to that, then, in my opinion, the secret sauce is where you have them share why that visual is true for them for that concept. Now, what is amazing about that is that with every person in your group that describes why that visual works for them and when, when thinking about salvation, 
is everyone in the group who didn't think of that is now going to be exposed to those connections in their brain. So next time when they need to retrieve, they need to remember intentionally, to use one of our habits, mm. when they need to remember, they're going to, be ha- they're, they're going to have a myriad of options to choose from, and the meaning behind that is going to be complex. It's going to have layers of complexity because you know the way you would connect salvation as a concept tangibly is going to be different than, from me. Why? Because the narrative of our stories are different. And so that is a great practical example of how you could do that. Now, one last strategy is t- to test for comprehension. I mentioned that is one of the, the main benefits of this is, are they tracking with me? I say that with my small group all the time. Guys, you with me? You tracking with me? And uh, they'll sometimes look at me or look at their shoes, and that tells me I need to back up. They're not with me yet. And so you could, you could say, uh, you know, Clayton, I want you to talk about grace but I want you to draw it. Draw me a picture of grace. And so that's the assignment. Give them three or four minutes, and then everyone turn their sheet of paper around. And we're going to go around the group, and I want you now to give me a definition of grace. And the same thing will happen. You're going to get all these different definitions, and the layers of complexity are going to start building, and really, that bird's nest of neuronal activity, right? That, all that, that neurons firing and connecting, all that yummy brain stuff that happens, uh, the intricate, intricate layers of meaning are going to be forming in everyone in your group. And so whenever they need to retrieve or need to remember intentionally grace, well, whenever they read it in the, the, in the text of Scripture, when they're talking about it, needing to extend grace to someone, receiving grace from someone, it's going to be complex. It's going to be rich. It's going to be mature growing up into Christ, the head of all things. So, those are just a couple of strategies of how they could use that practically. I know I talked a lot about that kind of what is it, how it works. Uh, I haven't done that for each habit, but I thought it was very important for this one because I think this, out of all six, is probably the most popular people are going to forget and go, eh, I'm not going to do that. That's for other people. That's for creative people. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just telling you, the research is strong and the research doesn't lie. You know, it could change and evolve over time, but at the moment it's saying this stuff works. Good stuff. Pastor Josh, thank you so much. It's great. Great being on here. Thank you for having me. Hey guys, thanks so much again for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Just want to remind you one more time that every resource that we make is available to you at rushcreek.org. If you'll just go to the groups page, go to the bottom and click on the button that says resources, you can access everything that we have. We hope you find them helpful. Thanks guys.